Great stuff. So, so Larry, welcome to your first Tuesday night book club. Um, your first one, obviously, being the one where you present that, which is always adding a little bit more pressure to you. Um, no, no better man. I, I know Larry from, I guess, just from doing the podcast, and we talked a couple of times. We did a couple of interviews with each other over the last few years. So, I know he's somebody that's very passionate about the topics he prolifically writes on and uh, fits well in with the theme of, of this. So. Delighted to have you here, Larry. Thanks for doing it. And I'll hand it over Likewise. to you. Likewise. Yeah, thanks a million. Um, thanks for the invite. Um, so, I mean, whatever whatever way you want to approach it, I mean, um, the book the book I picked is um, is, is one that I suppose has, has certain meaning for me insofar as uh, it kind of gave validation to certain ways I operate and, and what have you. Um, so it's uh, creativity by I'm going to pronounce the book or the, the author, the author's name. I'll do my best to pronounce his name. Uh, uh, it's probably wrong, but um, Mihaly, Six Cent Mihaly uh, is the author. He's a psychologist um, and has written and researched extensively on creativity uh, in various domains. And um, yeah, it's, you know what, I was flicking through it over the last few days just refreshing my memory on it. And there's just so much material in here. You know, you couldn't even talk about, you couldn't talk about every chapter. And I picked maybe chapter three and four as something we could concentrate on a little bit um, tonight, you know? Mm -hmm. Very good. So uh, really, I suppose what I took from it um, over the years of being in work and I started, I started in business for myself when I was about 25 and, uh, you know, when you start out first um, in any kind of field, you tend to, you know, question your motivations and, and question whether you're getting the best out of people that are with you, your own employees and uh, maybe contractors that work for you or whatever. It doesn't matter what field you're in. Well, I certainly did. Um, and I'd be, I, I suppose, my best and worst attributes in a working environment is that I'm quite, I'm quite picky about, uh, the standard of work that I do. And, and for years that always brought a degree of conflict, um, for myself in dealing with people and what have you. And one of the first things that, um, six Anthony Haley said in his book that I read was that, uh, he was talking about the creative personality and there's a passage there I highlighted, um, in the book, uh, we could read a little bit of it um, for you. Um, so we, he says that attention is limited uh, and that we we have to be selective about where we put our attention or the best out of our work and what we do. Um, and he said a, a consequence of limited attention is that creative individuals are, are often considered odd or even arrogant, selfish and ruthless. Uh, it is important to keep in mind that these are not traits of creative people, but traits that the rest of us attribute to them on the basis of our perceptions. So he goes on to talk about um, how that consequence of limited attention um, can be seen by other people as, you know, you're not giving me enough of your time or you're, you're maybe arrogant or selfish or, or um, in, in, something other than how we would want other people to be, or maybe you're in, insensitive in some way. Um, so it was it was interesting to read that um, off the bat. He says that uh, creative people are neither single-minded, specialised, nor selfish. 
uh, indeed, they seem to be the opposite. They love to make connections with adjacent areas of knowledge. They tend to be, in principle, caring and sensitive, yet the demands of their role inevitably push them towards specialization and selfishness. So in other words, you know, when you're immersed in something, you're immersed in a piece of work that um, you don't have time necessarily for for distractions. Um, and he, he points that out as a particular aspect of creative people that um, they're able to immerse themselves in, in, in their work and exclude uh, all of these other things and other people, often to the, I suppose, to the detriment of relationships, you know. Um, so that was that was something that stood out for me. Um, he goes on. To, he goes on in chapter three to talk about. Uh, I think it's chapter three. Yeah, he goes on to you know talk extensively about the nature of the creative personality, um, and and suggests that it's not fixed. That it it, uh, it varies depending on the environment, you know. Um, so I suppose I, f I found a certain aspect of myself in the book, which is why I kind of validated my my approach to work, you know, um, because I think invariably, certainly if you're if you're running a business, you've got to be particular about the standard of work that you do, especially if you're if you you're looking for clients to come back um, and you want your employees and, and the people that work for you and represent you to to meet that standard. And often it's it's very difficult because you're bringing in people with all these different uh, learnings from different areas of, of their life. And, they're, you know, they're, they're not going to have the same attention to, de to detail. And that was always a challenge for me in work. I don't know about you guys, but um, it, it, it always brought conflict with, with, uh, within the work environment. And being in the construction industry, it's, it's kind of an adversarial field at the best of times. Um, it didn't help, you know. But uh, have you read it yourself, Rob? Have you no, I don't, I don't think I've read it. I think I'm, I've read Flow. Um, <clears throat> and I don't know which came first. Uh, probably was Flow before that one. or Flow, oh, yeah. 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 Um, and I absolutely can, you know, I think there was a, a moment maybe 20, 15 years ago or so when I would have kind of recognized similar traits but kind of realized that not everybody can be at yeah. the same level as, as as you are within certain competencies or whatever. So it's kind of, you know, you, you, you accept that and, and kind of look at it from a different lens, I suppose. That's, yeah. that's been the kind of key point that I would, that would trigger for me when you talk about, about that. Yeah, I suppose it's, it's, it, it, I mean, if you want to talk about leadership, I know that's your, that's your area. Um, you've got to be able to bring the best out in people and, Often, I think, certainly for a small, you know, I know we're talking about business here, but um, for small businesses, the challenge is trying to get the best out of a small team uh, while maintaining those high standards. And um, some research I read in recent times about um, the self-employed and directly employed people in management positions who have responsibility for 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 other people Um in a, in, a, in a large corporate environment, they have the support structures um, within, the, within the corporation whereby they can execute uh, their role. Uh, but a self-employed person with a small business doesn't have that. And certainly creative people entering self-employment, you know, they have to learn on their feet. 
how to manage all these different personalities and the structures aren't there for them to rely on and to, to kind of say, right, well, this is how we do things. So it's, it can be, it can be a challenge for them creatively as well as, you know, in the day-to-day running of a business. And I certainly found that, um, but, uh, he goes on, Sixth Mihaly goes on to, to devote a chapter and I suppose on the creative personality, but it, it, it leaks into other chapters as well. Um, and he continues to refer back to it. But um, one aspect of, of the creative personality, he says, is, uh, is that it, the creative person is able to move between the two extremes. Um, it's, it's almost like a dialectic. Uh, they're, they're able to, uh, he says here, um, he, he talks a bit about the traits. He say, uh, and then there are no traits that distinguish, are there no traits that distinguish creative people? If I had to express in one word what makes their personalities different from others, it would be complexity. By this, I mean that they show tendencies of thought and action that in most people are segregated. Um, They contain contradictory extremes. Instead of being an individual, each of them is a multitude. Now, I know this this is a book and it's it's designed for, you know, a kind of a broader audience. And you have to generalize and stuff like that. But when you when you start talking about these things, you know you could see elements of yourself um, in what he's talking about. Um, creativity, I suppose, for me is not it's not a, a, a fixed thing. I don't believe it's a I don't believe it's like a subject. You know, it's not like making a chair. You, you can't teach someone to be creative, but you can certainly create the environment. Or allow the environment where it can, where creativity can happen. And he goes on to talk about divergent and uh, divergent thinking, um, as opposed to uh, where is the chapter now? Anyway, I can't find it. But uh, modes of thinking and, and ability to um, problem solve, for example, uh, problem solving in a in an environment where there's fixed mindset, for example, is very difficult. Um, as opposed to you know divergent people who are able to move between different domains of knowledge and put them all together and come up with solutions, and uh, so he goes on to talk about that a little bit too. Um, it highlighted some pages here. Uh, he talk, he asks you know where where does creativity where does creativity live? But um, chapter three, yeah. So um, he goes on to say that the, uh, complex, a complex personality does not imply neutrality or the average. So he talks about these extremes and, and the ability of creative people to move between the extremes and select uh, select uh, the type of uh, approach to the problem. So it's not like a, a blend of good and bad. He, said, he says that um, having a complex personality means being able to express the full range of traits that are potentially present in the human repertoire, but usually atrophy because we think that uh, one or the other pole is good. So I think that there's a narrative out there that suggests, let's say in business, that there's a particular personality that's good for business or maybe a, a particular personality that's good for leadership roles or whatever. But he warns against that a little bit because um, if, if, we, if we approach our work with this idea that there's a particular personality that's good for the work, well, then it, it doesn't allow us flexibility to move and make the right choices um, at the right time. Um, 
he refers to Carl Jung and uh, his idea of the mature personality, um, which uh, he points out is a combination of both the dark and, and the light sides of personality. So we're in fact both, you know, and to, 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 to think that we should be all of one and not accept those aspects of ourselves that others might consider bad is denying ourselves, doesn't allow us to uh, be creative, he, he suggests. So... Uh, and then he goes on to he goes on to talk about um, several aspects. Seven, three, four. Uh, he goes on to talk about five or six different dualistic or dialectical aspects of personality. Um, he says creative individuals have a great deal of physical energy, but they are also often quiet and at rest. So um, you could be full of energy, he says, for a particular activity. But then you're also able to, you know, you could be extrovert, extroverted in your approach to the work and your energy for the work. But also you need to kind of retreat. The creative person needs to retreat within themselves once they finish the work. Um, he says that creative individuals tend to be smart, yet also naive. So suppose that leads into the idea of being serious and playful at the same time or being being able to approach a problem from both angles. Um, I think I think to be too serious restricts our ability to find solutions, you know? So uh, uh, he goes on to talk about IQ uh, and how IQ is not related to creativity at all and that there's a particular level of IQ where um, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter anymore. You know, people who are considered having low IQ are probably some of the most creative people out there. Um, so here's the passage actually about convergent and divergent thinking that I was talking about. He says, um, convergent thinking is measured by IQ tests and involves solving well-defined rational problems that have one correct answer. Divergent thinking, on the other hand, leads to no agreed upon solution. It involves fluency or the ability to generate a great quantity of ideas flexibility or the ability to switch from one perspective to another and originality in picking up unusual associations. Um, so I think that's that kind of lets us off the hook a little bit um, in terms of, you know, this pressure to perform all the time um, and the idea that, you know, downtime or just going for a walk or, or loafing about is a, uh, is valuable, you know, unless you have those periods of time to do nothing or move away from the intensity of the work. You don't, you don't find those solutions. And I was reading, um, I have a book on the shelf there from Carlo Rovelli, the Italian quantum, uh, quantum physicist, gravitational physicist. And he was talking about the years he spent uh, loafing around after he finished college um, I think he was still, it took him about five or seven years to finish his undergraduate degree. And uh, he, he latched on to the, the idea that this period of time where you're actually not engaged in the intensity of the work is, is vitally important, you know, and allowed, I suppose, him, and he talks about Einstein as well and his ability to pull together all these different ideas about uh, relativity and the concept of time Um uh, you know, on his, his uh, theory of relativity or whatever. So um, that time away from the work, he says, is very important. Um, 
he talks about another paradoxical paradoxical trait, uh, and I touched on it earlier, um, the seriousness and this seriousness and playfulness. Um, he said, uh, a third paradoxical trait refers to the related combination of playfulness and discipline, or responsibility and irresponsibility. You know, we we've got this idea that um, we've got to be you know organized and disciplined, but you look at uh, you know artists, famous artists like I don't know um, uh, the Irish artist. Uh, what was his first name? Bacon. Um, I can't think of his first name. Francis uh, Bacon. No? Francis Bacon. If you see, if you've ever seen photographs of his studio, like it's it's a complete mess. Um, but he managed to create these wonderful works of art, you know. Um, and I think it's important to understand that, you know, certainly with kids, for example, that just because they're disorganized from our perspective, it doesn't mean that they're unable to drill down and focus and create something special, you know. And I see it like anyone with kids here tonight, you know, you see it all the time in your kids. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're shouting at them all the time to keep their rooms tidy and, and put their gear away and all that kind of stuff. But yet they're able to switch it on and do something that, you know, we're kind of bowled over uh, as a result. But he talks about, um, uh, Csikszentmihalyi talks about, uh, uh, goes on to talk further about playfulness. He says, um, but this playfulness doesn't go very far without its uh, antithesis, a quality of doggedness, endurance and perseverance. So, I mean, anyone who's ever achieved anything in their life will recognize that you've got to be focused and and uh, and uh, and have some endurance resilience to um carry on um and i don't think it's um i don't think it's about uh, being conscious of time and he talks about goals in here and uh, you know i've always had a bit of a problem with goals right because goals imply that there's a linear progression from where i am to where i want to be and that this concept of of a future better me exists. I mean, really what we're talking about, um, when we talk about creativity, there's no, like to be really creative, to produce something special, you've got to be so immersed in it, in my opinion, that you forget about the time. And time is the start. You go in, in flow, uh, in his other book, Flow, um, he talks about the distortion of time in, in the flow state. And in fact, uh, Maslow, Abraham Maslow also talks about it in peak experience, peak, uh, peak experience from toward a psychology of being. He talks about time and how uh, uh, to achieve that peak experience, you've got to be absent of time. And I think when you're when you're in something so immersed in it and you lose that whole, you know, time shouldn't matter. I mean, you're in it, you're already doing it. And the, an aspect of the peak experience or the flow experience is that uh the the activity the thing you're engaged in is the goal you're already doing it so i think if we can if we can find a way to to do work that truly turns us on and and and, and engages our curiosity i think that's a key thing and he talks about it here too uh about curiosity and the importance of following our, our, our curiosity um if we can if we can find that and allow ourselves to just lo be lost in it we can create something special. I think the problems occur for us in creative work, whether it's business, whether it's art, whether it's writing, whether, whatever it is, the problems occur when we start to, to uh, count our chickens, you know, and, and we say, well, I'm not there yet, you know, and it creates anxiety and stress. And it's like, 
you, you see the result today and you go, well, that's not what I wanted. And you get uptight about it. And then you lose enthusiasm and you say, to hell with this. And I think it especially happens in, uh, in, in business, you know. If you've got a creative outlet, let's say you're an, a writer or, a, or an artist or, or a plumber, uh, and you love your work so much so that you want to do your own thing, you want to create your own thing, uh, something that you can call your own and, and set your own hours and, and go out, go out and, and do work for people that, you know, you regard as good. Um, then the whole complexity and the need to make money and the, the, the need to have people and, and have staff and build this thing and let's go and take over the world and stuff. I think it destroys our creative energies to an extent. Um, if we can't find a way to kind of move between the intensity of the work and then the organization that's needed, uh, that's a, that's a, I haven't figured that out yet, but um, I haven't figured out how to do it. But I think, it's, I think it's a huge challenge for people in business, especially, or a creative person, a musician or, a, or, a, or, a, or, a, or an artist to some degree. Being able to turn that creative work into into something you know that generates a living. Um, I'm kind of going off the topic a little bit. What I was talking about there, but endurance and perseverance um, is what he was talking about there. Uh, he goes on then another trait: um, creative individuals. He says alternate between imagination and fantasy at one end, uh, and a rooted sense of reality in the other. Um, and that's you're really just talking about the same stuff, you know. Um, you've you've got to be able to just become lost in your own imagination, I think, to in order to create something special, something that people go, "Wow, look at that!" You know, this guy is great. This this guy or this girl knows what they're doing. Look at what they've produced. Hire him. Hire her. You know, uh, and they're prepared then to maybe pay you what you're asking. Um, there's got to be an element of um, of being lost in the work. Like I said, uh, but then as she sent Mihaly says, you've got to be able to come back into the real world as well and and show it off. Um, how are we on time? You just keep me, yeah, keep me yeah, on time no, there. Just don't keep going. I just go on rambling here, you're you know. Fine, you're fine. Um, I've got all kinds of like this whole book. Let me show you here. The book, um, I've got these uh, little markers and underlinings all over the place. And, it, it kind of helps. I do. I, I know you mark your books out as well, Rob, when you're reading. But, you know, you have little thoughts um, that occur. Uh, maybe you agree with what's been said in the book or maybe you don't. I, I wrote a note at the, at the front of it um, and after reading the book um, just for myself. And uh, I said, I have trouble reading my own handwriting at times, but I'll do my best here. It says, um, regard to creativity, right? Uh, we look for commonalities in people, activities and events when trying to understand how favorable circumstances come about. We say, what is it? Uh, what is this here? Uh, so we might be able to replicate it or replicate them, but maybe it, but maybe it is in that perceived similarity. In other words, this Here's a trait of creativity. Let's let's repeat it. Or here's what's similar about all these people who have been, you know, massively creative in the world. This is what you need to be like if you want to be creative. I think that's a flawed idea. Um, and I just went on to say here, but maybe it is in that perceived similarity that we get lost. 
and only in the differentiation that creativity and uniqueness can be expressed. I, I just think that's valid, you know? Mm. I think it might be. The one part that stood out for me as well is, is when you said about creating the environment for creativity rather than replicating the actual creative yeah. act, you know? Um, yeah. And I think that's the part that's probably how to create that environment to allow somebody can and I presume that environment could be different for everybody you know um, yeah. but figuring out that how they can get into that and then get out of it because you could be creative forever and and that might be satisfying your desires but it mightn't pay the bills or it mightn't you know have yeah. some sort of sort of ability to to monetize or, or to get something uh, for of value to others from it you know I think that the, the pressure you know if you take like artists and uh, musicians and creative people in that kind of traditional creative mode. Um, I did a, I did a uh, final year thesis on this topic actually this year. Um, but cre- create like traditionally creative people um, uh, would have problems, have enormous problems meeting the demands of business, you know, like marketing and sales and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and it's 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 exhausting for them, and I think there's a reason for that. You know, it's because they they're at their best when they're engaged in their creative work, uh, and to be asked now to be analytical and to be organised in someone else's definition of being organised and follow all these rules that are so tight um, and produce the goods. Let's be honest about it. If you in the commercial world, but. I think that the start they can't go there a lot a lot of them because they're so open minded and so playful and so um engaged in that particular aspect of their work that this thing is this way of behaving is alien almost you know um but uh there was something else I wanted to say there, oh yeah, you were talking about the environment um so a few years ago, I was in class and a lecturer said, we were talking about something, we were talking about, it was a cognitive psychology class, and he was talking about, um, I don't know what he was talking about, but maybe machine learning or something like that. But he made, it, he, made, he made a statement that actually stuck with me, and I was, I was glad to hear it at the time. He said, there are no facts. Uh, and what he meant by that was, you can take a photograph of the scene, and you can take a photograph of the landscape, or you can take a photograph in terms of data of all of these people at this particular point in time and say, this is what I found. But it might, be, it might have been true at that particular moment or for that particular group of people over that period of time, but it's not fixed. It's like a photograph. And if you do the same test on the same people today or next week, you're going to get a different result, slightly different result. There might be you know, similarities, but... Um, Invariably, there's going to be differences. You, you know, you, you talk about um, the majority of people falling under the bell curve, but um, and and you know, you try when you do a, a study, you try and find what's applicable to the population, to the general population. That's fine, but it doesn't tell you. That's not create. That's not. You're not identifying the creative people. You're not identifying the creative work. You're you're just telling me what's what's a fact about most people most of the time. Uh, over this particular period, it's the outliers that create the that produce the creative work that makes us go, "Whoa, look at that!" You know, um, and it's the outliers that actually disrupt, that cause major change um, in society. 
that there that's where the creative people live you know um so you've got to you've got to create environments where um and dean keith simonton talks about this as well uh that it's the environment that cre- that allows the creativity uh, and boxing people in with strict roles and uh strict rules is not an environment for creative 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 creativity to come about you know you've got to have that freedom uh uh, and uh, ability to kind of pull different ideas together and produce something special, you know. Um, what else have we got here? Imagination and fantasy. Yeah, I was talking about that. Uh, so just to go on from that point, uh, St. Mihaly says on page 64, he says, I don't think there is a such thing as reality. There are wildly varying descriptions of reality and you've got to be alert to when they change and what's really going on. No one is going to truly grasp it, but you have to stay true. You have to stay truly active on the end. That implies you have to, you have, to have multifaceted uh, perspective. Uh, there is a set of realities that exist at any moment in time. I always have some kind of of a model in my mind. So when I think is going so in my mind as to what I think is going to be on in the world, I'm always tuning to that model and trying to get different insights as I look at things. And I try to relate it back to what it means to our business and to how one behaves, if you will. So I think that's a quote from, um, that's a quote from someone there, but, uh, so that's, uh, oh yeah, I have another point here. Creative people seem to harbour opposite tendencies on the continuum between extroversion and introversion. We touched on that already. So you're really talking about the same thing. He goes on, mentions further points here. I mean, you could go on all night talking about this book. Um, but I think if we're going to nurture creativity, we've got to be willing to step outside the box, so to speak, you know. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, lose the title, lose the robes, uh, loaf around a bit. Uh, be comfortable doing nothing. Um, I've learned I've learned how to do that in the last few years, and and it's a relief to be honest with you. Because for years, for years, I was so uptight about work. You know, it was like if I did if I wasn't working six days a week, there was a problem. And um, if I if I wasn't if I didn't have loads of blokes and didn't have loads of vans and I wasn't you know stirring it up and making a big, I felt that the the big prize was out there in the world or someone knew the answer out there, but really that's, that's not what's going on at all. Um, I think to be, you know, being busy was everything. And, uh, I think we've got to get away from that. I mean, most of we, we know better, but it's actually putting it into practice. It's the challenge, you know, because, you know, especially if you're in a role where, uh, there's people depending on you and you have maybe, I hate using the word, but, You've got subordinates that you need to direct and, and all that kind of stuff for. You have people working for you who are waiting for you to arrive before they do anything. You know, it's difficult. It's really difficult, um, which is why now, like, I, I just operate on my own. All I, do, all I do is sit here at this desk and I write. Well, I do the day job and that pays the bills, but there's nothing I love more than just coming into this room, whacking on the keyboard and just uh, pulling a book off the shelf. Um, Any one of probably hundreds I have now. And just getting stuck into a subject and uh, seeing what I can pull up, you know, and um, that's the that's the enjoyment for me. I don't want 
the whole concept of being successful, and I might be getting off the point, but it's all relevant. The whole concept of being successful has changed, you know. Uh, there's not an external ideal that I kind of I've latched onto. It's like if I'm here, I'm I'm happy as a pig in the proverbial, you know. Um, uh, that's all I want to do, and I think that's that's a, it's an important place. I think if we're going to be happy, because that's really what we're talking about, you know, uh, we're going to be happy with our lives and and be productive to a certain extent, and be able to look back on what we've done and say, yeah, that was good. Well, we've got to give ourselves a break, you know. Hmm. Hmm. Definitely. I think uh, it sounds like you found that. So, what was was there any kind of <laughs> not only turning point but just kind of key moment from that that made you kind of turn to to appreciate what you have and and r- roll back on that kind of busy attitude was there anything that but it, it's I, I think um uh another another writer that well he's 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 gone a while now but um if anyone wants to check it out uh buckminster fuller richard buckminster fuller you want to pick yourself a copy of critical path um there it's there somewhere but it's a fairly thick volume it basically documents his life but he, he um he uh he spoke about or wrote about um a turning point for him and as i read the book it's kind of jesus that's that's nearly the same as me that's the same i live the same thing i suppose but it's like you chase you chase these ideals of success you know these these notions whether it's a whether it's a figure in the bank, whether it's the number of employees, whether it's whether it's uh, how many followers you have, whether it's you know all this kind of rubbish, um, and you'll chase that for a while, um, but then there has to be a collapse. Uh, and I think on a, on a broad, on a human sense, across the globe, um, we can see it now. There's a bit of a collapse going on, and I think it's an important collapse, and it's going to be disturbance for a while. And society and culture is just turned upside down right now. Um, but it has to happen and it has to happen on an, on an individual level as well as, as a global level on a, on, a, on a human race level, because otherwise, how do we know, how do we know we're heading in the wrong direction? So, um, from my own perspective, it was about, it was about that flux, that major shift, you know, where everything you've tried, everything everyone told you, everything, you know, you heard at conventions and, and, and seminars and business, this and business, that. It all failed to work and collapsed in a pile of shit. Pardon my French. Uh, and you've no choice but to face the reality that all of this effort that you put in was wasted. So now, what are you going to do? You know, you've no choice. You've no choice but to kind of sit there and reflect for a while. You know, and it's kind of a quiet period where uh, nothing happens, and then all of a sudden things start to change and news things start to come in. The dust settles, kind of. And then you, you end up going in a new direction and you, all of that experience has kind of uh, helped you see a, a little bit clearer, you know, that it's not about, it's not about the shillings and it's not about, you know, the prize and it's not about the suit and it's not about any of that crack. It's a, uh, it's, it's almost like it's, it's something that you can't even talk about, you know, you just know it when it hits, you know? So these days, um, I love to sit here and I love to write, uh, I was drawing for a while, but it kind of stopped that because writing just takes over. So um, I'm enjoying my studies, uh, really enjoying my studies, and, and uh, I'm in a happy place. I'm not making a mint, you know. I'm doing all right. I'm making a few bob. I'm paying the bills, uh, but it's not about that anymore. So 
Um, I think for us to get to that really creative place where we're actually happy with our work, uh, there has to be there has to be a turn, there has to be a collapse, and we've got to be willing to go there. You know, we've got to be willing to take a chance and, and realize that what we're doing, what we're doing may fail, uh, but go anyway. Uh, and there's nothing lost in that. You know, there's nothing lost in you know losing the seat of your pants or your shirt because it's all valuable. You know. And I think once you transition to it, I will say that's how it was for me. Once you once you pass through that kind of thing, um, you end up in a better place, you know. Mm-hmm. Larry, can I ask a question? Does yeah. he does he mention education at all? Because it just seems to me like we have these children that are so naturally creative, and then they're pushed through this education system that's so such so rigid, rigid. rigid. yeah. yeah. Uh, and then we enter the working world and then we hit that point that you've just been talking about where, yeah. where we want to be creative again. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Just, um, I just wondered. Yeah, the, the, the chapter titles here is Where is Creativity? The Creative Personality, The Work of Creativity. That might be relevant. Uh, the Flow of Creativity touches on flow. Creative Surroundings. Uh, the Early Years, yeah, he talks about these people who, who took part in a study are some of the most successful people in the world in science, in in academia, in uh, in, in business, in art, and what have you. Uh, and he, he studies their early years. Um, so he has something to say about that. Uh, it was 151. Um, but I agree with you. There was a program on the telly the other night there on RTE, I think, and they were looking at this uh, primary school, boarding school uh in Wicklow, I think somewhere it was the only primary boarding school in Ireland, and uh, it was it was all so free and loose. And was it the Sudbury School? No, wasn't um, that one? I'm not sure. I'm not yeah, sure, but it just yeah. was in. It just struck me how uh, how how different it was in their in their approach to school and children. I mean, mm. I mean, I agree with you. It it so many uh, notable people have remarked about how school kind of knocks creativity out of kids because really what it wants you're you're it, it's there to create pawns for the machine so to speak you know uh people workers for the yeah. for the for the, the society um and even now like you see it in third level education the colleges are funded by corp- corporations that's where they get their money from so and not in always but i think in in large respect they influence the direction of the research um and people you know, I won't. I I, I won't say it's it's uh, completely that way, but certainly. Um, mm. It's a great TED talk, Sir Ken Robinson. He just died. Oh yeah, he passed, yeah. passed away. Yeah, yeah. I've seen the stuff here as well. Yeah. Yeah, 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 and that's exactly what he says too. Yeah. So he goes, he talks about the early years. I'm sure there's something in there. All right, um, childhood and youth in our mm. culture, perhaps in all cultures, some of the most cherished stories relate to childhood heroes. Blah blah blah. So yeah, I'm sure there's something in there. Yeah, honestly. yeah, yeah. Great. It's actually those chapters, chapters four, three, four, and five. I just I spent most of my time on those because as soon as I I found, I I kind of found myself in those chapters, so I kept reading them over and over and over again. Um, and there's other aspects of the book that I that I kind of said, no, I don't agree with that. That's not. No, you're not. You're way off the mark there. But then this this section kind of appealed to me. So I'm suppose I'm being a little bit biased in terms of what I'm talking about. But I don't think what he says is any less relevant, you know, in terms of uh, 
how creativity happens. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Great. Thanks. I love the review. Just a quick question from my side. Just, I suppose, I love the idea of balance. That it's it's light and shade. That that you you know you can step into creativity. Some people can step into it a bit more easier. But like in terms of balance, like you can see that structure and logic and strategy seems to be kind of the societal norm. Yeah. Like obviously, for to balance that up with creativity, you know, what would you suggest, or what does the book kind of promote in terms of actually just being able to tap into a bit more creativity in our lives to, to get that balance. I think it's. Uh, I don't think I'm. 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 I don't think I'm missing the one of the main features of the book when I say that. Um, he's talking about having the ability and the freedom to let loose and then come back into the work. But I think a big pro- a big problem for us as human beings is that we're born into this. Um, we're born into this rule of law you know almost that um success equals here's the path you know Mm. Uh, and you have to go down the path and a lot of people fall off you know and they end up doing work that really they're not passionate about they're doing it because it pays the bills and part of the study that i did i did early this year um i asked the question uh how how do you feel about your work there was 200 people 230 respondents to the to the survey uh, and I asked people, how do you feel about your work in, emo- in emotional words? And uh, 42% of respondents of the coded responses that I extracted from the, from the participants' comments um, suggested that uh, they, were, they, were, they had a negative relationship with their work. So you had uh, comments such as, it's a means to an end, or I do it, I do it, it's okay, but... Uh, uh, to, and on the extreme end, there were people who just were completely hated their work and couldn't, you know, had no way out. And then on the other extreme, you had people who were just in love with their work, you know, who one person said that, uh, probably misquoting now, one person said that, um, uh, um, oh, uh, I, I'm, I'm so happy to be able to, to help other people or something to that effect. So I think the, the biggest problem is that we have this, uh, this it's it's kind of like two uh, parallel lines, uh, and if you fall in w- within those parallel lines, you'll do all right. But for those people who don't, who fall outside, you have those who are extremely successful. They're extremely creative because they've made their own path, and then you have the other people who maybe um, can't make it work and just fall off the wayside. Um, and I think that's a problem. Uh, I, th- I think our system is too rigid. You know, um, people haven't got. You know, you have to go to work. It's like nine to five, you know, Monday to Friday. For me, for a long time, it was like Friday was a relief and Monday, Sunday night was like, oh, work Larry is back, you know. And um, my wife would say, stay away. Work's Larry's here, you know, stay away. And it was like I used to dread Monday morning, even when I was working for myself. So I think um, the rigid systems that we put in place for work um, are problematic because we're not meant, to, like human beings are not machines, you know. We're not, we're not designed to, be bureaucrats, you know, and to operate to a strict rule of law. I know we do a lot of times, but I think history has shown us that that explodes, that that can't work that way for us. We've got to have freedom of expression, you know, creative expression. And just even to balance it up then, Larry, like, so if you're in that real rigid structure, paying the bills, you're within the tram lines as you talk about, like... Mm. 
just even suggestions like i mean how can you balance up how can you get a bit of space um and we just, talk about you know um get out and get out and go for a run go for a walk um yeah. you know if you if if structure is important and your job requires it i mean uh fine but you've got to be able to get away from it i mean i'm not telling you anything that hasn't been said before but you just got to make time for you doing stuff that's not you know like find a creative outlet you know do pottery do the garden uh uh do wood turning, do something that takes you away from the rigidity of, of the work that pays the bills. I think that's a, that's a problem with work is that we have this transactional relationship with it. You know, it's like, I'll give you errors if you give me money and then I'll pay off all my bills with the money that you give me. And this is, you know, roller coaster or not roller coaster, but the merry-go-round of, of, you know, doing work for the sake of shillings, but there's no real love in it. You know what I mean? You've got to have, there's got to be some meaning and purpose to work. It can't be just about get, uh, earning a dollar and paying bills. It just can't. Um, it, you can't be creative in that kind of mode. You just burn yourself out, you know. You hit yeah. 40 and you have an existential crisis like me. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Thanks. Yeah. I loved what you were saying, Larry, about playfulness. And, yeah. you know, I think we definitely lose that a lot as we get older. Mm. Um did he have any ideas around, I mean, other than what you just, I guess, shared with Deck around getting outside, thinking differently, giving yourself space to be creative? Anything else he had around the playfulness piece? See, um, in that particular chapter, he's just talking about what he saw in respondents. There was multiple surveys that he did, but... Um, just want to see if I can find anything here. <coughs> While you're doing that, while you're looking, I'll I'll just share with the group. I've started uh, reading the Culture Code, and it starts with the story about um, a, a study Peter Skillman did with Harvard, and it's called the Spaghetti Marshmallow Challenge. I'm sure some of you have heard of it. But there was two groups, business grad students and then kindergarten children. So about five to six. And they basically had to make a tower with spaghetti and marshmallows. And it kind of um, resonates with what you've been talking about, Larry, because what they actually found was it was the children who were able to actually make a tower that was 26 inches high because they just got in there and did it. They started playing around with the marshmallows and the spaghetti and they, I guess they they thought of things from um, a convergent perspective. Is that right? Or yeah. is it divergent? The, diver yeah. the divergent side, said, he, well, at least in the book, he says the divergent, you know, go out and pick material from various different areas of your experience and just put them together in unique ways, you know. Yeah, exactly. And whereas the the, stu the business grad students stood around talking about what to do and yeah. spent ages trying to figure out who should be the leader and what who should do what, and they didn't just get in there and do it. And um, that's exactly what you're saying. Yeah, there's um, I've written about this before, although not not as much as I'd like. But um, this is a book by um, Stuart Brown. Uh, it's called Play. Mm. Uh, and in that book, he talks about um, how it shapes the brain, opens the imagination, invigorates the soul, and how he, he talks in this book about how important play is to uh, 
to the development uh, or, or development or cognitive development or, or development in, in society and what have you. So it's an interesting read. And there's a TED talk by him as well, which is good. Should check that out. Cool. Thank you. Cool. And um, that's all I've got for you anyway, unless uh, unless you want to dig a bit further, uh, Rob and Declan. No, I think we normally kind of wrap it around about the 50 minute or so mark anyway. And I think that was great, Larry, because I really liked your just open and honest inputs on it. And, you know, there's there's no right or wrong way to do this. And it's always good to do it a, a little bit differently as well. So I think it was uh, well received and delighted that you, you were uh, willing to come along and do it. So thanks for doing that. I appreciate the, the invite. Um, good to talk to you again, actually. It, it's probably over a year since we had a conversation. Oh, definitely. I think it was early last year, probably, when we talked the last time. So, um, yeah, no, it's uh, it's good to have you along. More than welcome to come along again to these um, every yeah. couple of weeks. Uh, I think, as, as um, Sarah said there, she's up next talking about the culture code. So that should uh, should be an interesting one. Definitely. Well, thanks very much for your for your time and uh, tonight and for the invite. Uh, I enjoyed it. Magic. Thanks, Emily and Larry. It was magic. Great thanks, stuff. Larry. Thanks a lot, I'm Larry. Read that book play. Yeah, thanks a million. Um, really good. Yeah, excellent. Thanks, Larry. Very good. About it all. Delighted to be here. Thanks a lot. Have a good evening, guys. We'll yeah. see you in bye, a couple guys. of weeks. Thanks for all. Good luck. Bye. 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 Bye.